0: Hello there, and welcome to our Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. My name is Richard Frankowitz, and I'm the youth director here at Sardis Fellowship. To find info on our speaker and series, please check the podcast description. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Um, I love that last song. Um, it's why I come each week is because I need to be encouraged in my faith. I think maybe it's why you come each week, too, because you know you also need to be encouraged in your faith. Like someone once said, um, why does he have to be filled with the Spirit again? Well, because he leaks. You know, we leak, right? (laughs) And as the week goes on and the kind of the grind of life or the trials of life, it can kind of take the joy out of us. And we gather here together. So hopefully you've gathered here and been encouraged already uh, by meeting and and worshiping and focusing. Focusing our thoughts and minds on Christ. Um, I do want to say something about this weird incident last week. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, you know, someone said you really shouldn't fly anymore. Uh, so my wife and I would go to Israel, and war breaks out. And when we got home, and then um, last week uh, I was flying back from Toronto. I was coming into Calgary around 10 p.m. on Saturday night. I was supposed to hop on the next plane at 11 and get home. They said our flight was canceled. Uh, At first they said due to weather and then we found out it was due to some random volcano in Russia that exploded and the ash decided to drift across the Pacific to Vancouver just as I'm to get on my flight to fly home to be here last week Sunday, which as you know, if you were here, I was not here last week Sunday. I do want to thank Dave Lee for preaching. However, for those of you who think he's a miracle worker because he pulled that one out of the hat with like an hour and a half to spare. No, he was actually scheduled to preach that Sunday. That's why he said, I don't believe in coincidences, but some of you were asking me, how did he do that so fast? And I just said, because the guy's amazing. Okay, he's amazing. (laughs) He can do that. Anyways, uh, thank you, Dave. I also want to share, by the way, I did get home the next day, 24 hours later. It was my Sabbath rest. I enjoyed it. Thank you. (laughs) A young man by the name of Jacob Baker got baptized on Thursday night here at our church. And for those of you who have been around our church for a long time, you might remember Rob Baker. An amazing story. Every story of God's work is an amazing story of grace, but he's driving on the highway, listening to Chuck Swindoll on the radio, and he hears the gospel presented, he prays a prayer at the end of that message, and the phone number is given that you can call, and Rob Baker phones that phone number, and the person on the other line says, well, there's a Baptist church in the town where you live, it's called Sardis Fellowship, and Rob comes to our church rob declares his faith in christ he's baptized and now 15 years later rob lives in langley his son lives with his ex-wife up in edmonton and his son was down visiting with his dad and we'd planned this for a number of months and he was baptized here on thursday night and we just celebrated with rob and his 15 year old son who's just come through battling cancer this last year if you can imagine that and uh is in remission and doing great and he wanted to declare his faith in christ we did it right there and i yeah praise the lord Uh, There was a a group of family and friends that were present for that. But what I want to say is that on December 17th, we have about five or six people that are saying, I too want to declare my faith in Christ. And if you're a person who says, I I do know Jesus, I know that he's my Lord, I am a follower of Christ, but I've never publicly declared my faith in Christ through baptism, and you'd like to do that, speak with us on staff. And uh, December 17th will be here quicker than you could imagine. So please speak with us. We're into this sermon series called Sharing the Gospel. And I really liked what David Lee said last week. I'm gonna quote him a lot because I went and listened to his message and he quoted me like three times. So I'm gonna quote David Lee this morning. Pastor Dave, our pastor emeritus, who served here on our staff for 17 years as our lead pastor, if you're not familiar with the name David Lee, Um, he said this at the end of his, or I mean, at the beginning of his message last week. He said, The purpose of this series is to encourage us, enable us, and empower us corporately and individually to shine our light brightly in the world. And I was like, Yeah, bang on. That's why we're talking about this. And I know that for some of you, you're like, Man, could you just make it two weeks, maybe three, and move on to the next topic? No, it's six weeks, and this is week three. We need to talk about this. We need this in our lives because this is what Christ has called us to. And so we're going to talk about it. Now, we started off, week one, asking the question, well, what is the gospel? And let me tell you, that's not easy to put in any kind of succinct fashion. Uh, and why is it worth sharing? And so we talked about the fact that the gospel is Jesus, He is the king that has come into the world to rescue us through his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, where he's now at the right hand of the Father where he reigns. And so we sing songs about King Jesus, and we sing songs about having a heart that is abandoned towards him and following him and serving him. We want to live faithfully for Christ, and so that's trying to capture what the gospel is, and why is it worth sharing? Because it's the greatest experience anyone can have in this life is to put their faith in Christ and to enter into God's family. And so that's where we started in week one. And then last week, Pastor Dave, with the story of Jesus calling Levi, was trying to encourage us that, you know, Jesus didn't have to go into Levi's home. He could have played it safe, right? But he didn't. He was intentionally crossing a barrier into enemy territory, so to speak, to be a witness. And we were challenged to overcome our prejudices, our pettiness, and our fears. And so that's where we've been so far. Today I want to look at a key word, and the word is witness. Jesus said to those first disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then in Matthew's gospel, it says, and lo, I am with you. That's the old King James Version. And surely I am with you. When? To the ends of the age. So, go outward, and to the ends of the age. And so this command to those first disciples has been passed down to us as well as we were talking already about missionaries who are going out to Japan. Uh, But it's not just in a foreign context. It's about us daily living our lives with that kind of a mindset that I too am a part of this witness. Now what comes to mind for me when I think about a person who's being a witness is someone who's observed an event and then is giving a testimony about the event, right? So I think of a courtroom Uh, Kind of setting where a person's called in and they take the stand and they tell what they saw. So we might think at that point to be a witness is just a verbal piece, right? Just to speak the message. That's all I need to do. But it's also interesting that a person in court, their character can be um, scrutinized. And if their character is not solid, it kind of undermines whether their testimony is true. Do you follow? So while you have the verbal part of it, you also have this living part, the character part. And if the two don't line up, they undermine, or at least the lack of good character undermines the message that you're trying to portray. So I want us to think about this word witness because it kind of uh, captures what I want to talk about in this language, which is walk the talk. Have you heard that before? If you've been a Christian for a while, you've probably um, heard this one. It's, It's not new. Although I might say that it does get termed uh, differently. Sometimes it's called walk the walk, and that's fine, but I'm choosing this one. And what we're actually looking at here is that we want to make sure that our actions and our words match, right? So it's not that complicated. We could actually end the message right there. Just go out, you know, your actions, your walk, your talk, what you're saying, make them match but that would be no fun. So let's have some fun with this because we need to realize that this actually isn't an easy thing to carry out and do. Um, So walk the talk or walk the walk is a way of reminding us that it's not just words that are spoken, but it's lives that are lived. In fact, you could actually say that the gospel is not just a message that is spoken. The gospel is a way of life. It incorporates all of who you are, that our words and our actions together become the witness that we have of who Jesus Christ is in our life. So there's two aspects to this, as I've already said. Sharing the gospel requires two things. We need to walk it, but we need to talk it. Both are important. The walk part and the talk part. So this is also a verse that Pastor Dave shared last week, and I was like... Boom, it fits so well with this one. I'm going to read it for you again. Philippians 2, 14 to 16. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Nothing's really changed from 2,000 years ago to the time of Christ to today. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. These verses are all about watching how we live our lives. I don't know if you pick it up in there, but there's words that we speak or there's words that we might not speak. There's attitude of heart, the grumbling and complaining. There are actions that would be pure and blameless that would be contrasted against wickedness. And um, we are guided by the word of life. And when that happens, when that comes together together, Jesus Christ, the word of life in us, and we're not only portraying the message through our words, but also through our actions, then we shine like stars in the sky. And if you ever, it's kind of hard in a city where there's lots of light to see how amazing the lights are, but if you've ever been in a dark place, maybe in the prairies where there's less cities and stuff, and you look up and it's just like, wow, the stars shine so brightly against the black sky. And this is what Christ is saying, is that when your words and your actions Come together, you shine like stars. People take notice that, hey, there's something different about you. And in this case, for all the right reasons. When the Apostle Paul was instructing Timothy, his younger brother in Christ... Timothy was an up-and-coming leader in the church, as most of you would probably know. You've heard the Paul and Timothy relationship described. And uh, Paul was instructing him to keep two aspects of his life in check. Watch your life and your doctrine closely, is how he instructs Timothy. So he's saying, you know, watch what you believe. Watch your beliefs. Watch what you say you believe. And then also watch how you live that out. Watch whether or not your life actually reflects what you say you believe. This is what we call whole-life discipleship. It encompasses everything in your life. And I might just say, that's what discipleship is. Like, we don't get a choice on this one. If we're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, by nature, follower means disciple. Disciple means follower. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, it does mean your whole life. It doesn't mean, I'm not talking about for your whole life. Yes, it does mean for, for your whole life. But it means everything about your life comes under the scrutiny of the gospel. You align yourself in every area of your life with the gospel. It's not just one aspect. We have another phrase that we have used. that has been part of our discipleship language. It's called total attachment to Jesus. Total. It encompasses all of who we are. So watch your life and doctrine closely. And I want to use that as a principle for talking about this idea of walking and talking the gospel. Sharing the gospel is not just a walk issue, nor just a talk issue. It's both. Now we see it in a previous verse. To um, oh, pardon me, I, I missed the second um, part of the verse where in 1 Timothy four sixteen after Paul instructs him to watch his life and doctrine closely, he says, "Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers." And your hearers. So there's those people who are watching. And there comes a point when you're given the opportunity to talk about it. But in the verse, few verses prior to that, verse 12, he, he picks up on the, the speech and conduct piece. You know, he's talking to Timothy still. Don't, look, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, Timothy. But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. But you see that there. The way in which you live your life, your conduct, and the way in which you talk about anything, quite frankly... But about your faith and about who you say you believe in, those two you need to keep in check. Watch your life and doctrine closely. So we need to walk the talk and we need to talk the walk. Some of us may struggle with one side of that equation more than the other. Maybe you find the walking part easy and the talking part hard. Maybe you find the talking part easy and the walking part hard. I think we all struggle with all of this if we're honest. It's hard. If it wasn't hard, it would be easy to faithfully walk with Jesus. And our witness and our testimony would be amazing. We would shine like stars in the sky. But the reality is, each and every one of us, in our own way, in our own context, we struggle to keep these two together and in check. So let's look at the first part of the walk. And uh, I want to talk here about a quote that is often, I think, misunderstood. Um, It's attributed to Francis of Assisi. He was a 13th century Franciscan monk. And, uh, and he preached the gospel a lot, but he made this famous quote, or became famous, whether he wanted it to or not. Preach the gospel at all times, use words of necessary. And at first glance, you might think, okay, I think what that guy's saying is, don't worry about sharing the message of the gospel, just make sure that you're living it out. But that's actually not the emphasis of this statement. He's actually combating the opposite of that, which is people who would talk about the gospel, but not be living it. And he's like, no, no, no. Keep it in the right order. His emphasis here, the point that he is making is that um, if the way that you are living doesn't match the words you're speaking, then you aren't really preaching. Do you get it? You're preaching the wrong message. How many times do we preach the wrong message by our actions? We say a phrase in our culture, actions speak louder than words. Yes, they do, but words still count. Words are still important. His emphasis is make sure that your actions and your words match. And we should be doing both the walking and the talking part. Because if our walk doesn't match our talk, we hinder the witness of Christ. Are you catching me? It's not that hard to understand, but we're blinded to it. We're blinded to the ways in which maybe my walk isn't keeping in step with Christ, in step with the Holy Spirit, and then it hinders my witness. In my home, my workplace, wherever I go in school. So when I was about 13 years old, I went to this thing that our church put on called Boys Brigade. Uh, there was also a group for the girls called Pioneer Girls. I went to Boys Brigade. And at Boys Brigade, uh, we had a neighbor friend of mine uh, come out. His name was Johnny. He was an ex-door kid. He was about three years older than me, family friends. But uh, to our knowledge, not a Christian. And we were pretty excited that he was coming out to our Boys Brigade. He was my brother's age. And uh, I came to... To Boys Brigade that night, I was bragging to my friends about what I'd done to Richard Perzazzo earlier that day. Yeah, Perzazzo, if you can believe that. Richard was one of those annoying little kids. He would always get under your skin, and he would be the kid that would steal your soccer ball, run away so the rest of you couldn't play the game, and you'd have to, you know, hunt him down and knock some sense into him, which maybe is what I had done earlier that day. That now I was bragging to all my friends about what I had done to Richard to teach him a lesson and all this kind of stuff. And that older boy, Johnny, who was listening in, turned to me and he looked at me and he quietly said, and you call yourself a Christian? You know, in that moment, my witness with him was blown. I could have, you know, been witnessing to John, hey, John, you know, can I tell you about the love of Jesus? This is what it looks like at lunchtime. What I should have done in that moment was said, you're right, and I should have apologized, and I should have gone and found Richard the next day and apologized to him. But I was too mature. My heart was too proud, whatever it might have been, but my witness to my neighbor in that moment was ruined. Our actions count for our witness for the message that we have Preach the gospel at all times. Use words if necessary. Is a reminder of how we are to be living our lives. And when we live it consistently with Christ, it gives credit to our words. Or not. Kevin Fraser shared a story with us. Kevin is our head usher. He shared it with me. He had this friend in his life that uh, he used to work with. And he was witnessing to him. Quite often, he would invite him out to church because he wasn't a Christian, his friend, and he didn't have a church to go to. So Kevin would try to share Christ and witness to him. And this guy always had a quick comeback. He would reply like this, why? So I can become a Christian like Steve? Not his real name, by the way. Kevin said it pretty quickly shut down the conversation because um, we both knew that Steve, who attended Kevin's church, had a really bad testimony in the the community because of his business practices. So every time Kevin tried to invite him to church, why? So I can become a Christian like Steve? And Kevin knew what he was getting at. Sometime later, this man showed up to the church where Kevin was ushering, uh, and to his shock, this guy came. And so he comes to the doors and Kevin exclaims, what are you doing here? To which the guy says, oh, is that how you greet newcomers to your church? <laughs> Kevin in his friendly way backs it up. No, no, no. It's just you. you always made such a big deal about the fact you would never come to our church and you didn't believe in Christianity and that sort of thing. I'm just kind of surprised to see you here. And the guy shared this with him. He said, you know, Kevin, every time I gave you that answer about Steve, he said, I did that because it was easy. It was easy for me to shut down the conversation, but you were actually touching my heart with the words that you were saying. And I had become a Christian, and I'm now attending this church. Yeah, praise the Lord, right? And so that story captures for me, you know, two, really, don't be like Steve in the story, and uh, do be like Kevin to, to brave it to share with a person or to invite them to church even. Here's another phrase that maybe you've heard. I'm throwing out all of my evangelism cliche terms today, okay? Walk the talk, talk the walk, all that kind of stuff. Uh, You know, the, yeah, Francis of Assisi quote. This one here is by a guy named William J. Toms. He said, be careful how you live. You may be the only Bible some person ever reads. I think that's pretty good, actually, you know? Um, You may be the only gospel that some people see or hear or get to know. You might be the version of their understanding of what it means to be a Christian, right? And so, and I want to say to parents, oh, parents, you have 18 years with your kids in your home. You will be the most influential, the most powerful version of the gospel to your kids for good or bad, Right? Because what you model for them as parents will be what they're taking in. The understanding of the language, the understanding of what it means to apply it to your own life, the consistency of it or not, whether or not you have a humble heart to say, I'm sorry, please forgive me when we get it wrong. All of that. And I don't want to freak you out here because some of you are like, yikes. Um, But yeah, maybe yikes. How much time have you got with your kids? Let me tell you, it goes fast. But the idea is this, that you... By your very presence with your words and your actions in your home are a powerful and influential testimony of the gospel to your children. And many, many parents have that privilege of actually leading their kids to Christ, right? So keep that in mind, parents, as you're raising your kids. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven, whether that be in the workplace, on your street, or in your own home. I know that some of us would prefer to not have to talk about the gospel. We'd rather just want to walk the gospel. But I want to say a few words about the talk part. That while we do need to walk what we say we believe, we also need to say what we believe. And for some of us, that's the harder part. In fact, I think all of us kind of struggle with this a little bit in our culture. This is like taboo topic, right? To speak about religion or politics. You don't do that at family get-togethers, right? Um, You know, that's your faith. That's good. Keep it to yourself. I don't want to hear it. That kind of an idea in our culture. And so it can be hard to talk about our faith with other people. And by the way, that's the reason why I'm doing this um, little kind of seminar tonight. It's it's really not me just doing an information dump. It's us having a conversation and some collective learning around how do we go about doing this in a day and age that, like I've just described. And so come on out tonight. It's going to be at six o'clock here at the church. We're going to go for an hour, an hour and a bit, and uh, talk about how we share our faith with um, family, friends, people that we're trying to reach out to. But I'm not even really talking about how do we preach the gospel. That that is such, is so foreign. Most of you don't get to do what I get to do here right? Most of you are not going to go to Japan and be a missionary. Most of us are a living testimony of Jesus Christ wherever we go in our daily lives. That's where we're living life. So how do we do that? This is a helpful verse for me. Read it carefully. Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. The reason why I say read that closely is because I think what we hear is this. Always be prepared to give an answer to every question that someone has about the Christian faith. That doesn't say that. It says, always be prepared to give the reason for the hope that you have for Jesus Christ. We should own that peace. That's the part we can own, right? And we're going to talk more about that next week, so I'm not going to dig down into that too much. But note the words, with gentleness and respect, those are guiding words as to how you share the hope that you have within you. Um, we, uh, we don't have to say too much by way of preaching the gospel to answer that, to give the reason for the hope that's within me. But we can just be pretty straightforward and just say, this is why I believe. The other person might not even argue because it's your opinion as to why you believe or see the difference that Christ makes in your life. This requires wisdom. It requires the leading of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we need to be sensitive to not push too hard or to share too much. And one of the things that, la- in last week's message from Dave that he said is, don't Preach with people, dialogue with them. Aim at the dialogue. Um, Make it a conversation, and then when the conversation's done, it's done. See yourself as that person who plants the seed, and not necessarily that I have to do the harvest. God will bring the harvest, but we're called upon to plant the seed. And so just having dialogue with people. Talk the walk. One of my friends, I have lots of friends, eh? I always try to share one of my own stories, right? Right? And not just my friends' stories, but one of my friends was a trucker. Kevin was a trucker too, but that's uh, not Kevin. It's a different friend. And the trucker told me that he was trucking, and he was going in and out to a site that had a checkpoint. And every time he came in, you had to, you know, weigh in or whatever. And there was a, a lady working at that checkpoint, and um, he'd come in and out a, a few times, and, you know, you'd be courteous and stuff like that. And on one of these times, she goes, how come you're such a friendly guy? To which he wanted to say, oh, "Oh, my opportunity because of Jesus. Jesus changed my life. Yeah, you know, like he just wants to jump in." He said, "What came out of my wife? What my my mouth? What came out of my mouth was, I don't know. I guess I'm just a friendly guy." And he said, "Ah, after I left, why did I say that? That's not even true." He says, "It's not even true. I had a good day. She thinks I'm friendly. I had the opportunity to point to the joy that I have in Jesus Christ, and I missed it." Now, who hasn't? done that, missed that opportunity, and afterwards gone, oh, I could have said this, or I could have said that, right? But this is highlighting the importance of realizing we need to also give the answer for the hope we have within us. So what does it look like for you? Um, Before I get to this, let me just back it up here, because I do want to give an illustration that I think illustrates the fact why this is important, that we talk it and we walk it. I once stood up here in a message and I gave an illustration and it went like this. I drew a circle like this and I drew a couple lines like this and I pointed in the middle and then I pointed to someone in the congregation in the front row and I pointed outside the walls of the church and then I did this motion to come back here. And then I said to the congregation, what do you think I just communicated through my actions? It was great, actually. People shouted out answers like, oh, you you drew the globe. And then you were sending someone to a certain spot on the globe, and you called that guy, and you said, go out, preach the gospel, come back, and tell us what God did. Brilliant students, right? They got that. And I said, no, you're dead wrong. What I said is, this is a pizza. I like big slices of pizza, especially with that dough in the middle. Could you go out, get me a pizza, and bring it back for me? You get it, right? There is a place for our words. There's also a timing for the place of our words. God will give that to us when we're looking for it. All we need to do is be faithful. And so I'm asking you today, what does it look like to walk the talk or talk the walk in your context? Um, in your home, in your neighborhood, at your workplace, at your school? What, what does the consistency of that look like in your life? And I'm really encouraging us uh, to be mindful of our actions because people are watching. The purpose of this series is to encourage us, enable us, and empower us corporately and individually to shine our light brightly in the church. Individually, you can do that every day. Corporately, we have moments. And one of those moments is this thing that we're trying to promote called Alpha. This is a corporate opportunity of inviting a friend to come out to join in with other people where they can explore the Christian faith over the course of 10 weeks. It's a very natural way because you're having a meal together. People like food. It's going to be good food. Uh, you have conversation. You meet new people, and then you watch something that's curious and interesting. And then you create a safe environment where people can say, "Well, this is what I've always thought," or "This is what you know," and it's okay. You can share that. This is an opportunity for you to explore the Christian faith while still having whatever idea you have about God or not. And, and so that's the environment. And what we're doing today is encouraging you to consider. Um, participating in it, you could come on your own, that's fine. But what this card is trying to do is to encourage us to consider who might be three people, or one, or two, that you would write down and begin to pray about. Because this could be a big, big step. It could be like, oh man, I'm risking it to ask this colleague at work if they would come out for 10 weeks to explore explore the Christian faith. Rod, I don't want to do that. I get it. That could be a very big step. For some of you, you're like, yeah, no problem. I I can ask my friend. That's, That's fine. But I'm asking you to pray about it because we want God to open the door. We want God to get all the glory for those doors that open. And so begin praying about who are the people that you, that God might be asking you to ask to come to Alpha and start praying about it. So that's what this My Three is all about. It's your prayer list. This is just for you to keep and begin praying about. And we're going to be talking about the opportunity of Alpha between now and January 9th and um, showing more videos and giving you more information because we really want to collectively have a witness for Christ. And this is just one avenue that we can do that. Just one. But it's a great opportunity and we hope that you don't miss it. In John 4, 35, Jesus said, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. You know, the Holy Spirit is the one that draws all people to Jesus Christ. We know that. But God, in his divine providence, has chosen to use us as his instruments and vehicles to be a witness, both verbally and with our walk. And so we want to walk the talk, and we want to talk the walk. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you that you have not left us alone to do this as if um, it's in our human strength. You are the God who created everything. You are the God who demonstrated your love to us, even while we're still sinners. Christ came into this world. And Christmas is coming and we're celebrating the coming of Christ into this world. What does it all mean? It means that this king has come. This king who demands of us our own lives because he gives us life eternal. This king who wants us to take our life and orient it around him. It's total attachment to Jesus as king. And so, Father, I pray that first and foremost in our own hearts we would have the desire to live it. And that then you would give us um, a bold spirit to maybe share it or invite someone to come out to Alpha. So Lord, I would pray that you go before us and you prepare that way. And I just pray that we would have a lot of people, our friends, family, workers, whatever, coming to Alpha in the new year and that we would celebrate the good things that you're gonna do. Give us your spirit, I pray, for this week. Give us your peace as we go from this place. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. And we do bless you with the peace and the grace of Christ Go into this week. God bless. Thanks for listening to our Sardis Fellowship sermon podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please check out SardisFellowship.com. Have a great day and God bless.